0: What's up guys? Happy Wednesday morning and welcome to a special episode of the Wednesday morning mean event. Had a little bit of a delay this week. Got my first uh, COVID vaccine shot on Sunday and was just absolutely wiped out. So had to delay it this week. Thankfully no sickness from this one. I'm sure that'll come with the second shot. But yeah, your boy was a little exhausted. So had to delay it this week. No big deal. We still got plenty to talk about. So, we got some uh, clarity going forward in the welterweight division, one of which will be the co-main event for Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier three on July 10th at UFC 264. We'll talk about that today. Also talk about what's going on in the heavyweight division, as well as the heavyweight title picture, the ultimate fighter's return, and what that means for the featherweight division. Darren Till is out. Of his fight with Marvin Vittori on Saturday, and Kevin Big Mouth Holland stepped in to replace him coming off that loss to Derek Brunson. We'll be previewing that later today. One on TNT One is tonight Demetrius Johnson versus Adriano Moraes, Eddie Alvarez versus Yuri Lapicus. We're going to be talking about that, but uh, I want to get into something uh, that is pretty much the forefront of MMA news this week, so let's go ahead and get into that, and that is. Goodbye, Reebok. Hello, Venom. So, the Reebok deal is officially over. The last event of that was uh, in Ganu versus Miochik. That was the last time we'll be seeing Reebok. Apparently, they still have the shoe deal for the UFC. Um, Obviously, that doesn't matter too much in regards to what they wear during the fights, but during fight week, I guess they have to wear Reebok footwear still. So, that's fun. I remember the incident where uh, they made Matt and walk around barefoot around the year that this first started because he had some Jordans on. And they made him go to the Media Day barefoot because of it. Uh, but, yeah, now, so Venom has taken over. And the new fight kits were released. And, um... I'm, I'm assuming that we're going to get some new ones later on. Because, to me, they do look a little bit better. But to me, these are the exact same fight kits with a few minor tweaks in the Venom logo instead of the Reebok logo. That's, it, it's the same color schemes. It's, it's the same everything. Um, I, I get this whole, we want to look like a professional sport and this and that, but it almost to me is taking the individuality away from the fighters. Um, but yeah, there's, there's not a whole lot difference from the Reebok to the Venom fight kits and if you you want to get yourself one of those hoodies it's going to run you about $140. Uh, here I can actually pull up the Venom website right now and I can kind of tell you about what you can expect to spend on some of this UFC uh, Venom merchandise. So Venom X UFC Let's see, let's go U- Venom UFC Fight Night. So if you would like the authentic walkout jersey it's $77, the hoodie is $140, the pants are $90, yeah for the women uh, the jerseys are $55, and $120 for the hoodies and $77 for the pants, dear lord, the fight shorts uh, for the women $95, for men $120 for a pair of fight shorts. Um, seventy-seven for the valetudo, forty dollars for the sports bras. Yeah, just um, not something I think you're gonna be getting a lot of people to spend their money on. Uh, I don't know that you necessarily got them to spend their money on that before. But yeah, I mean it's the the prices for these. Let's see what fight week stuff is. I don't know if there's a real difference in the the fight night versus fight week stuff. Okay, so yeah, so they got different t-shirts and stuff on here, shorts, things like that. I mean, the <clears throat> they've got, like, grappling spats. Compression pants are, like, uh, 59 dollars nine ninety-nine. That's actually pretty standard for grappling spats. Uh, the valetudo shorts for fight week, $45. The rash guard, 72 So the rash guard's a little pricey for a rash guard. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just, to me, I... Uh, Part of me expected more, but then the other part of me knew to expect that this wasn't going to be a whole lot from D, de- from Reebok, at least at the start. Um, like I said, there are there are some slight tweaks and there are some slight improvements, but all in all, it just it's not anything that's blowing me or I, I think for the most part anybody out of the water. And now I want to get talk to about I want to get talking about the financial situation. So, um, the. Uh, So there are some changes to the pay scale. Uh, The COO, um, uh, Lawrence Epstein, told ESPN that the uh, UFC will be boosting the pay scale by about a million dollars annually. So let's look into that pay scale change. Champions will now get $42,000 per bout in fight week incentive pay compared to $40,000 under Reebok. Title challengers will get $32,000, compared to the old rate of $30,000. Fighters with 21 or more fights will get $21,000, up from $20,000. Uh, athletes between 6 and 20 fights will also see a $1,000 increase from $15,000 to $16,000. Entry-level fighters will, between 1 and 3 fights will now get $4,000, compared to $3,500 previously. That's right, a $500 pay increase. Athletes with four or five UFC fights will get a $500 bump also from $4,000 to $4,500. Athletes with six to ten fights go from $5,000 to $6,000. And fighters with between 11 and 15 fights get $11,000 compared to $10,000. Epstein said that essentially the entire value of the Venom contract will be going back to the fighters, which is what we heard last time and all this and that. Um... You know, they, they said that as good as the Reebok product was, Venom has taken this up a notch with the quality of construction and the thoughtfulness of how our athletes will use the products. Um, that that part doesn't surprise me. Uh, you know, Venom is a MMA brand, so I think that the gear itself is probably going to be more geared towards fighters. I, I know there was a lot of issues with the Reebok launch. There was a lot of uh, wardrobe malfunctions with the uh, the women's where It definitely wasn't made for for fighting when it first came out a lot of issues with that but you know uh, one thing that was brought up is you know the Reebok deal took place started in 2015 this deal is starting in 2021 Um, I I don't have the numbers pulled up but somebody did the uh, the math and to account for inflation um, they didn't even break even with what basically forty thousand dollars was worth back then to what it is worth now so essentially these fighters are making more money, uh, not by much, but accounting for inflation, they're they're essentially making less than they would have in 2015 than they did in 2021. It didn't basically make up for the inflation. Now, granted, they're still going to make more money than they did under Reebok, because they were also still making, they weren't adjusting for inflation with the Reebok deal. So, accounting for that, but it is just it's, it's one of those where it's, it's not too surprising that we're not going to see a drastic pay increase for fighters. It is disappointing. You know, I, I, I've felt that way since the Reback deal took place. I, I can understand, you know, wanting to clean up the sport a little bit and maybe not have guys have 50 different logos plastered on their fight shorts. But at the same time, that that isn't something that ever truthfully bothered me. You know, it's a way for these guys to make some extra money. I feel like being upset with them for trying to do so is a little weird. Um, you know, and it's not, the octagon is now plastered in logos more than ever. So I I don't understand what the big deal is there. Um, basically they took all the the sponsorships away from the athletes and plastered it all over the octagon for themselves. You know, um, I don't know. I I, want to keep a positive mindset. I hope this does end up being good for the fighters. You know, I know they say as long as they want to do anything outside of fight week, they can have whatever sponsors they want. But being realistic, you know, that really handicaps the fighters because fight week is when they're going to get most eyes on their product. So if they're even something as simple as letting them bring their banner back, like having the banners in their corner with the sponsors on them, something as simple as that would help these fighters out a lot. You know, like fighters would have custom-made walkout shirts with their sponsors on them to promote their sponsors. That's how a lot of these sponsors got their money's worth out of these fighters and that's if they're not wearing this stuff during fight week it's very difficult even in this year for these guys to promote their stuff you know obviously they can do Instagram and things like that but you know these guys are gonna get their most value for their sponsors out of fight week so to say that as long as it's not fight week these guys can have whatever sponsors they want well you know exactly how much you're handcuffing the fighters when you do that. But, you know what? Uh, hopefully, we'll see some more tweaks from Venom, and the fight kits will get better. I'm, I'm not raising my hopes up too much, because I do believe that you know this is going to be like a, a Dana White in the UFC at the final. Say so, I believe we'll be seeing a similar style from fight kits from now on. <clears throat> it was kind of what I was expecting, but was hoping not. Alright, so... <clears throat> In uh, some Bellator news, Emmanuel Sanchez and uh, Patricio Pitbull was this past weekend. And uh, Pitbull with a first-round submission, dominant victory, and sets up one of the best fights that Bellator has ever booked with Pitbull versus A.J. McKee. You know, this entire tournament, I believe, was built to get to that fight. And A.J. McKee is an absolute breakout star. You know, he is just been passing every test. They've been building towards this fight. This is the best fight that Bellator could book. You know, everybody talked about how, oh, the biggest fight Bellator can make is all Romero and Anthony Johnson. No, the biggest fight that Bellator can make is Patricio Pitbull versus AJ McKee, and that fight is finally going to happen. That is a fight that is going to sell itself to the hardcore fans, and they have really been building towards this fight, and it's working out great for them. AJ McKee is a really solid threat to Pitbull, but Pitbull is just an absolute animal, a two-division champion in Bellator, you know, this is a guy who, who defeated and knocked out Michael Chandler inside the first round, and Michael Chandler is now fighting for the UFC lightweight championship. Now, that's not to say that Pitbull would beat him every time they fought, but they have fought before, and he knocked him out, so... You know, this is a guy who could easily come to the UFC and be a top fighter in the UFC. And if you you don't doubt that, obviously Styles make fights and things could go different when he fights the UFC guys. But Michael Chandler is fighting for the UFC lightweight championship. And whether you agree with that or not, it's happening. and. You know, this man knocked out Dan Hooker, who, when you look at it on paper, is probably one of the worst matchups for him, stylistically in the UFC. A tall guy with a long reach. Michael Chandler is very short for compared to him, has to get on the inside. And he knocked him out inside of a round. This is a guy that went five rounds with Dustin Poirier. So to say Michael Chandler doesn't deserve to be fighting for that title or isn't a top fighter in the UFC, you'd be kidding yourself. And, you know, this is, like I said... Pitbull knocked this guy out. Pitbull is a top fighter in the world, and in two weight classes. You know, this is this is a guy who I would love to see come over to the UFC, and, you know, now we've got a fight for him that people are going to want to tune into. You know, a lot of people were talking about, yeah, Emmanuel Sanchez is a tough fight, but he's probably just going to beat him again. Um, AJ McKee, people are excited for this fight. I'm excited for this fight. I'm looking forward to seeing it. So hopefully we'll get a date announced soon. Um, I believe there might already be a date planned, but I don't know that off the top of my head. So, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to that one, though. Can't wait for that to happen, and I'll be excited to talk about that the closer we get to that one. All right, so some big news for the featherweight division, kind of coming off of a featherweight champion in another division. So uh, I think I had mentioned this fight on one of my podcasts recently after uh, his win, but uh, Dan Ige got his next fight booked. Dan Ige is going to be fighting the Korean zombie, and I love the sound of that fight. I believe I even mentioned the thought of that fight, but on paper, that is a fight-of-the-year candidate. These are two guys who go out there and are not afraid to trade punches. Chan Sung Jung is is not afraid to get knocked out. He is just there for a war every single time. Look at his fight with Yair Rodriguez. Look at the fact that he kept coming against Brian Ortega, even though he was just getting absolutely lit up on the feet. You know, Jose Aldo, this is a man he tried to pop his shoulder back into the socket when he dislocated it in the middle of the fight. uh, You know, his fights with... Uh, Leonard Garcia in the WEC, his his fights with Dustin Poirier, you know, if you just look at Chan Sung Jung's career, this is a man who comes to fight every single time, and you know, Dynamite Danigue is the same way. He just had a 22 second knockout. This has the potential to be one of the best fights of the year, and on paper, you know, it, it's tough to say. You know, it's it's I'm not gonna write Chan Sung Jung off just because of his loss to Brian Ortega. You know, Brian Ortega is easily one of the top three featherweights in that division you know i believe if you want to do one two three it's in my personal opinion max volk ortega um now obviously on in in the actual rankings it's volk max ortega but you know i I do believe that holloway won that second fight the first fight was very close but i definitely had it to volk but I believe you can trade Max and Vulcan at one and two, and nobody's gonna get some argument out of you. And Brian Ortega is working his way up there, um, so you know there's no shame in losing to any of those three guys. There's, and then you got you know Zabit in the wings. I don't know what they're gonna do with him, but Dan Ige is is an absolute stud. You know he he lost to Calvin Cater in a five round fight. Before that, had a pretty close decision to Edson Barboza. Uh, I I did personally. Have that fight scored for Edson the first time around. Um, But, you know, Dan Ige is a tough night out. Coming off a 22-second knockout win. Great fighter on the feet. He definitely has earned his name Dynamite. But, you know, the Korean Zombie has also earned his nickname. This dude is going to just march forward no matter what. You have to put this man completely to sleep or he's not going to start marching forward. Looking forward to that one. Can't wait to see that fight. Now, in the featherweight division... We were told that Ortega versus Volkanovski was going to be rebooked as soon as possible. It looks like we're going to get quite a bit of delay as these two are going to be coaching the next season of The Ultimate Fighter. Um, you know, I, I think that was probably one of the best choices they could have made. I believe they were looking at masvidal Covington or uh, masvidal Usman for that, but they ended up putting Masvidal and Usman together for, you know, this card in Jacksonville, so they kinda have their hands tied so Volkanovsky Ortega gets cancelled due to COVID and Ortega or sorry, Volkanovsky kind of talked about his case with COVID and it sounded like it was a pretty rough one. So I am glad that he's doing better now. You know, he was talking about having uh basically it put him out. He said he was coughing up blood, had high fever for days, was just in bed, couldn't do anything. But he is back to training, so that is good to hear. Um, you know, just I like the concept of these two fighting on the ultimate fighter. I don't know that it's going to draw the casual fan in, you know, the casual fan is looking for that reality TV type factor. And while the hardcore fans are more interested in seeing the, the new and up and coming fighters in the sport, you know, are we going to get another TJ Dillashaw, another Forrest Griffin, another Rashad Evans, you know, another champion of the sport, the casual fan wants the guys who are going to trash talk, you know, they want the Mazdal versus Covington. Um, so it, it might not bring the most eyes, but I, I believe it'll give a chance for Ortega and uh, Volkanovski to maybe get more known to the casual fans and maybe get some people that want to tune into their fight. So obviously that fight will not be happening until uh, probably late summer, early fall at the earliest. But, you know, featherweight title fight has been rebooked. I With that fight being so delayed, I believe you have to get Max Holloway another fight between now and then and i think the right answer is Zabit, who i had just spoken about recently you know he there's not really a whole lot of other fights for him unless you want to book him and calvin cater in a five round fight but calvin cater is still under the concussion protocol so i just i don't see that happening um, you know he's being very cautious which he should be coming off of that loss to max Holloway. that that fight went on for about a round and a half <clears throat> longer than it should have um, so obviously he's going to probably be taking a lot of time to recover. Max Holloway, I feel like you you got to book another fight for him. Volkanovski-Ortega, I, I don't think I can say much more about it than it's already been said. It's a very appealing fight to see how much... I mean, we obviously saw some great improvements from Ortega in his last fight when he fought Korean Zombie. The question is, are those improvements going to be enough to defeat Volkanovski, you know? Volk did kind of get beat up on the feet for the first few rounds by Max Holloway in their rematch, but he did a very good job bringing it back. This is a guy that knocked out and TKO'd uh, Chad Mendez. He beat Jose Aldo, you know, beat Holloway the first time around. I've heard a lot of people say they didn't agree with that decision. As a Holloway fan, I wholeheartedly agreed with that decision. I thought it was... I actually had a four rounds nothing going into the fifth and final round in their first fight. And I gave Holloway the fifth round, but Volkanovski just had the perfect game plan in the first fight. He's he's absolutely one of the best fighters in the sport. So I think, you know, people basically saying he's not the champ whatever just because they felt that Holloway won the second fight, you know. I, like I said, in my opinion as far as ranking the best welter, best uh, featherweights, I'd put hallway just slightly above him, but, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's not really the champ. This is a man who's earned his spot in the division, and it's not his fault how a judges score a fight. Whether you agree with it or not, this man is still the champion. And he is absolutely, in my mind, one of the top two fighters in that division. Now, I could go back and re-watch that fight maybe have a completely different outlook on it. I thought... You know, Holloway won the first two, Volk won the last two, but that third round was where it was up for debate. I thought it was a good round for Holloway, but you know what? Like that That's the thing, it's you can't leave it in the hands of the judges, and and people need to stop holding that against Volkanovski. Volkanovski has been nothing but a class act as champion, so I, I, I'm looking forward to that fight. I personally would think we see Volkanovski walk out uh, still the champion from that one, but... I can't underestimate Brian Ortega. I just think that Volkanovski is a big step up from Chan Sung Jung, and I don't know that... I just... I saw a lot of improvements from Ortega. I just don't know if it's going to be enough. I think Volkanovski's main strength more than anything is his game planning, and I don't expect that this will be a whole lot different. I think he will game plan perfectly for this fight. Now, the height and reach could give him some issues, but he did a great job with Max Holloway. So... We'll talk about that one as the fight gets closer. Those two will be coaching coaching the Ultimate Fighter, so definitely something to look forward to. So now moving on to the heavyweight division, we got some uh, some clarity in that division in some way, and then some more questions than answers and others. So Surreal Gone versus Alexander Volkov has been booked, I believe, for a fight night, and I believe they'll be main eventing in a five round fight. I love the sounds of that fight. You know, I personally would. Uh, probably see Volkov tanking, taking that fight. But, you know, Cyril Gaon, a very very cerebral fighter, very strategic. I could see him coming in with the right game plan for that fight. You know, Cyril Gaon, number four, Volkov, number five. The the winner of this fight could easily be pushing themselves towards a title shot. Um, could even, depending on his recovery and what he plans to do, the winner could maybe even be fighting Ace-Dipe Miochik. I, I don't know that the winner necessarily goes into a title fight. You know, Volkov is coming... Off a uh, win over Overeem and Walt Harris. But before that, he had that uh, lopsided loss to Curtis Blades. So, you know, I could see them holding that against him. Surreal gone. Based off of his fight with Rosenstreich not being so exciting, I don't see the UFC being super desperate to put him in a title fight unless maybe he goes out and gets a spectacular knockout against Alexander Volkov. But on paper, this is this is a pretty fun fight. And it, honestly, rankings-wise, the perfect fight to make. You know, when you look at the heavyweight division, you got these two at 4 and 5. Gone coming off of a win over Rosenstreich. Volkov on a two-fight winning streak with a win over Walt Harris. And then Alistair Ophreim, you know, I don't see him taking a step back and fighting Rosenstreich off a loss. I don't see Curtis Boyd's having a fight booked relatively soon. You know, Stipe, same thing. I think he gets a little bit of time off before they book him again. And then Derek Lewis is kind of in a state of flux, which I'll talk about here in a second. But... You know, neither one of those guys are quite ready for a heavyweight title fight. So, on paper, interesting matchup. I I would, I would imagine we see Alexander Volkov walk away with a victory in that one and get closer to a title shot. You know, I think he likely would have had the title fight with D.C. um, before D.C. retired. Had Derek Lewis not gotten that last second knockout against him, I think we could eventually see a rematch between those two, Volkov and Lewis, and it'd be a very interesting one. You know, he was 11 seconds away from. Walking away with a decision from Derek Lewis. That just speaks to the power of Derek Lewis. Volkov's a top fighter in the division. Um, you know, and this is going to be Surreal Gon's. In my opinion, I know he fought Junior Santos, I know he fought Rosenstroik. This is Surreal Gon's toughest test to date. Uh, Volkov is no joke. This is a top fighter. And Surreal Gon has definitely earned his spot at number four. You know, this is a top fighter as well. So one of these two is going to break into, you know, being one fight away from a title shot. The other one, you know, their stock doesn't drop too much. Whoever loses this fight will probably be staying in the top five, top seven at the very least. But yeah, to me, I, I think we, uh, we see Volkoff walk away with a win and one fight away from a title shot. Now, Greg Hardy has teased that his next fight is going to be at UFC 264 on the Conor McGregor-Dustin Poirier card. And he's teasing a fight with Tai Tuivasa. I love the sound of that fight. Uh, you know, Tai Tuivasa is a guy that's gonna absolutely bring into Greg Hardy, and and uh, it's it's not a uh, a gimme fight, which they they had been giving Greg Hardy up till his last fight, which he did lose. So you know, this this could be Tai Tuivasa could be a guy that gets Greg Hardy pretty close to his walking papers. You know, he's he's no joke on the feet, um, and he's been improving his grappling, which is where Greg Hardy's had the most issues. But you know, when you watch Greg Hardy's fights, the the main thing where he's won is. Guys just stand in front of him and don't do anything. So he's not going to get that with Tai Tuivasa. Tai Tuivasa is going to come forward. He's going to look for the knockout. He's going to swing some leather, and he's going to gauge in a firefight with Greg Hardy. And Tuivasa just had a nasty knockout in his last fight. So this is a tough matchup for Greg Hardy if it does actually get booked, and I would not be surprised if we see Greg Hardy uh, go on a two-fight losing streak, but you know, we'll see. Um, I'm not sure if that fight's 100% official yet, so if it does become official, that's going to be an awesome fight for that card. Uh, the question is, how does Greg Hardy handle a fighter who's going to charge forward at him in the stand-up and isn't just going to stand in front of him and wait for their moments? That's been <clears throat> the majority of Greg Hardy's UFC career guys just standing there and, and kind of waiting for him and, and then not doing a whole lot. When guys have come forward against him, he hasn't done as well. So I, I think Tai Tuivasa is a bad matchup for him. Uh, it's, it's an interesting one for them to give him coming off a loss. So uh, curious what will happen with him in that one, but that looks like where we're going. So now where we've got more questions than answers in the heavyweight division. Um, Francis Ngannou was offered Derek Lewis for June 12th, and he turned it down. Let me explain a little bit further so that people don't think he's ducking the Derrick Lewis reaction. He turned down the date, and he said the date doesn't work for him. Essentially, he doesn't want to go from a long training camp for Stipe, celebrating his title win, right back into training camp. He wants a little bit of time before he goes into training camp. And you know what? That's completely understandable. What this does tell me, though, is that Derrick Lewis is getting that fight before John Jones. Um... Which, you know what, with John Jones' negotiation tactics, I'm, I'm not too surprised. Uh, I, I don't blame John Jones for asking for more money, and I'm not saying he's scared of this fight, but I do think he's being a little a little overzealous with his requests, you know, saying $10 million is too low. Um, and then his coach, Mike Winklejohn, came out and said they're expecting $50 million for this fight. So, you know, I'm going to break this down a little bit and, and give you some numbers. So... A pay-per-view for the UFC is sixty-nine ninety-five. So Joan, John Jones has never hit a million pay-per-view buys. This fight will likely hit a million pay-per-view buys. So I'm going to call it here you know, just to just to give him some leeway. I'm going to call it one point three million. We'll give him one point three million. Give him uh, what McGregor and um, what McGregor and Cowboy did. So that is a. Uh, Ninety million dollars, 90.9 million dollars is what they would generate off of that. So obviously, there's also the live gate. Um, you know, the live gate usually brings them a good bit of money. Um, the like probably about a million dollars live gate, maybe a little bit more depending on where their gates at. Um, You know, if they have this fight in Vegas, they could get a large life gate. But it also depends, you know. Maybe they book this fight for the summer, stuff gets closed down again, and they can't have a crowd. Okay, uh, well, we just offered to pay John Jones $50 million. We're going to maybe, on a good night, get $90 million off this pay-per-view. You know, off of sponsorships and everything. Essentially, John Jones is asking for, you know, a good anywhere from 25 to 50% of the pie for that fight. They've also got to pay out the other fighters. So I think asking for $50 million when he's never even hit a million dollars pay-per-view is is a hard sell. That's essentially saying I'm going to negotiate myself out of this fight. $50 million is asking a lot when you know the most John Jones has ever done pay-per-view wise was, I believe, 800,000 uh maybe 850,000 against Daniel Cormier and that was back when the pay-per-views were fifty-nine ninety-nine. So you know that's I mean that's 50, 50.9 million dollars uh, from pay-per-view sales. So John Jones is essentially being asking to be paid for this fight the most he's ever generated in pay-per-view buys. So that's that's negotiating yourself out of a fight. You know I can understand wanting about ten million dollars, this is this is his last chance to get a money fight. And the reason I say that is, <clears throat> if John Jones becomes the heavyweight champion, I don't know that it's necessarily a money fight anymore. It's no longer a super fight, him fighting these guys. It's now the heavyweight champion defending the heavyweight title. He'll be paid more money as the champion, understandably so, but that's no longer a super fight. This is a super fight if John Jones steps up and fights a heavyweight. The other thing is, if John Jones goes in there... And gets knocked out against Francis Ngannou like most people are expecting him to. He loses all negotiating power. You know, what does he do then? Does he stay at heavyweight? You know, people still want to see him at heavyweight, but, you know, okay, the champion knocked him out. Don't know if we're going to see him fight for the title again. Does he go back to 205? Is anybody really interested in watching John Jones at 205, even if we did just see him get knocked out? You know, people were barely interested in John Jones at 205 in his past few fights fighting IQ wise John Jones is a perfect person to beat Francis Ngannou I just don't know if he can pull it off but you know to say that John Jones doesn't have the fight IQ to do it would be insane that is John Jones has one of the better fight IQs in the sport but you know to uh, his negotiating IQ I'm not so sure um the fact that now obviously John Jones isn't coming out and saying this 50 million dollars thing but if his coach is saying that that's what we're expecting, that means that they've had a conversation and that's what he's expecting. And and to me, $50 million is just absolutely absurd when you've never hit a million pay-per-view buys. The most you've ever hit in pay-per-view sales was $50.9 million. So you're essentially asking for the remaining $900,000, that pay-per-view, to be paid out to the fighters. Obviously, there's still the life gate, there's sponsorship money, all that. But you got to think, they're paying him $50 million. Okay, what are, what are they paying Francis Ngannou? You know, Francis Ngannou's the champ. He's the one that's got the belt walking into this. Jones did throw away one of his biggest bargaining chips for this, which was when he vacated the title. This is no longer champion versus champion. It has a little bit less appeal to the casual fan. When this is a champion versus champion fight, the appeal for this goes up tenfold. This is the light heavyweight champion moving up to fight the heavyweight champion. No, no, now it's the, it's the former light heavyweight champion going up to fight the heavyweight champion. On paper, that just doesn't sound as appealing. Now, granted, he didn't lose the title. Um, a lot of people thought he should have in the Dominic Reyes fight, but, you know, he didn't lose the title. But it is, he's still the former light heavyweight champion stepping up to fight the heavyweight champion. And Rashad Evans spoke about this. He threw away one of his biggest bargaining chips when he vacated that belt. And he's now going out and asking for a crazy high amount of money. So I don't know that he necessarily gets the fight. I still want to see that fight, but it does sound like we're very likely going to be getting Derrick Lewis versus Francis Ngannou next. Because Derrick Lewis is willing to do it. He said, shit, I'll take $8 million if John Jones won't. And the thing is, they probably won't even pay Derrick Lewis $8 million. But he doesn't care. He's in it for the fight. Uh, Derrick Lewis is going to be getting the next heavyweight title fight. And it says a lot about these two that were interested in this rematch because the first fight between Lewis and Ngannou was by far the most boring fight in the heavyweight division and one of the most boring fights of all time. Lewis won, but nobody really won. He just won because he was more willing to engage than Ngannou was. I think it'll be a different fight this time around. But I mean, essentially Lewis won that fight because he engaged just a little bit more than Ngannou did. Uh, so it, it says a lot about these two that we're excited for the rematch, considering how bad the first fight was. But I'm imagining we'll see that fight by the end of the summer, early fall. That is still a huge heavyweight title fight, despite how boring the first one was. The, the question is, though, you know, what, what does happen with John Jones? Do we ever see John Jones again? He actually twice within the last week has asked for them to just release him so he can go somewhere where he's valued. I, I don't know that that exactly happens. I think that's him trying to negotiate um, to get paid what he's worth but I just don't know how well it's going to work out for him I don't know if we see John Jones settle I don't know if we ever see John Jones fight again at this rate it's uh, John Jones has been his own worst enemy throughout his career but at the same time I can't blame the guy for wanting to get paid I don't believe it's that he's scared of this fight I just think he believes he should get be be getting paid more than he is you know he was getting paid five hundred thousand dollars to fight Dominic Reyes I can agree, five hundred thousand dollars is insultingly low to move up and fight Francis in Ngannou, with everything Jones has done in his career, but. You know, Jones has also done a lot to derail his own career. So let's not let's not ignore that. You know, he's popped for PDs multiple times. He's had multiple scandals outside of the octagon, which I believe has hurt his drawing power. And I believe that's part of the reason why the USC is not willing to pay him as much as they know. Look, even you fighting in Ganu probably doesn't draw as much as some of these these other guys fighting in Ghana because a lot of people just don't want to watch fight. Um, yeah, it's, it's just unfortunate the way the career of John Jones has gone. I'm hoping we see him again. I hope maybe they can work a deal out and we can get that fight. But, you know, I, I imagine we get Nganu versus Lewis, but Nganu turning down the date for the Derek Lewis fight gives Jones some time to get a negotiation going and maybe get the money he wants. Hopefully they can come up with a compromise because that's the only way it's going to happen. John Jones is not going to get the money he's asking for, but maybe they can get him an offer he'll like. Time will only tell, but I can I can predict for you. We see John Jones sitting out, and Derek Lewis fights Francis Ngannou before the end of the year. All right, guys. So <clears throat> some clarity in the welterweight division. You know, we were wondering what was next. Was Was Leon Edwards gonna fight Bahaal Muhammad again? Was he maybe gonna fight a Stephen Thompson or a Gilbert Burns? Uh, was he even gonna fight Colby Covington? Um, and then the curveball no one saw coming. A five-round, non-title, co-main event on uh, UFC 262. They're the co-main event for Chandler and Oliveira. Leon Edwards in a five-round co-main event versus Nate Diaz. Give me somebody who says they saw that fight coming, and I will point out to you a liar. No one saw this fight coming, but rank and uh, you know rankings wise it makes absolutely no sense but i want to talk about on paper why this fight makes so much sense first off nate diaz is going to come to fight we know that every time leon edwards is a stand up fighter for the most part he does have some wrestling and some jiu jitsu i don't know that he necessarily wants to use the grappling against nate diaz but you know maybe he does maybe he th- he sees some stuff that he can take advantage of but on paper this is a guy who's going to charge forward and is going to bring the fight to leon edwards i think I I think Leon definitely wins this fight. I believe Leon is just a step above Nate. But, you know, make no mistake about it. Nate Diaz is going to come and he's going to bring the fight to Leon Edwards. But here's what this fight accomplishes. Nate Diaz is a bona fide superstar for the UFC. People tune in when this guy fights. And it started big time around the Conor McGregor fight. He was already kind of a needle mover before that. But then the Conor McGregor fights happened, and now it's a big deal whenever Nate Diaz fights. You know, they made a title, a BM they made the BMF title for Nate Diaz. They did not make that for Masvidal. They made that for Nate Diaz. This guy is a big deal. So when he fights, it's a big deal. So you, you your main event is Michael Chandler, Charles Oliveira. That's a huge fight for the hardcore fans. For the casual fan, mm, not so much. You know, the casual fan doesn't know a whole lot about Charles Oliveira. They know that. Michael Chandler made his UFC debut in January and knocked out some guy on the Conor McGregor card. But that's about all the casual fan knows about it. You put Nate Diaz on the co-main event, people are going to tune in for that event, and they're going to find out who Michael Chandler and Charles Oliveira are. The other thing that does, Leon Edwards is a top contender in your division, but not a lot of people know who he is outside of the hardcore fans. You make him a bona fide star when he goes out there and fights in Diaz and wins. People are going to want to tune in and f- watch him fight the winner of Kamara Usman versus George Monsvadal. They're going to want to tune into that. <clears throat> this is a perfect fight to make some stars. Now, rankings wise, it makes absolutely no sense. Of course, we all know that. The UFC knows that. But this is going to make Leon Edwards a, a top star in the sport. People are going to want to tune in to watch him fight. The other, on the flip side of that, If Nate Diaz goes in there and beats Leon Edwards, Nate Diaz just beat the number three guy in the world. Guess what? Nate Diaz is getting a title shot next. The winner of this fight is getting a title shot. Make no mistake about it. Um, And uh, I believe the UFC wants the scenario, which I do not believe takes place. But I think what the UFC wants the UFC wants Mazvidal to beat Usman, and they want Diaz to beat Leon Edwards and do a BMF title rematch for the UFC Welterweight Championship. I don't see that happening. I believe Leon wins, and I believe Kamaru wins. But, you know, if, if make no mistake about it, this is, a, this is a title eliminator fight. Colby Covington, I believe, is in the spot that I thought Mosvidal was going to be in. I thought Jorge Masvidal was going to be in the spot of, I will only take a title fight, doesn't get the title fight, and ends up sitting out. That's now happening with Colby Covington. <clears throat> the winner of Leon and Nate is going to get a title fight. I can guarantee that to you. I guarantee the winner of that fight gets a title fight. I would be absolutely surprised if they don't. Especially if Leon or, you know, either Leon or Nate is an interesting backstory for if Masvidal does pull off the upset against Usman. With Nate Diaz and Mosvidal you've got the rematch because, you know, people felt like that fight could have gone a different way in rounds four and five. They believe Nate Diaz was about to turn it on against Masvidal. Uh Mosvidal was up three rounds nothing, but this is a rematch of the BMF title. Now, Leon Edwards George Masvidal... That's the three-piece in a soda that happened backstage. That's where Masvidal started to take off right before the flying knee. They got in a scuffle backstage. You got the backstory there. You got a backstory with either of these guys. So there's definitely more backstory for that. But with Kamara Usman, you've got this is the best Walsh weight in the world, continuing his dominance of sport. This is a guy who beat Leon Edwards, and that was Leon Edwards' last loss. You've got some backstory there. And you can't tell me people aren't going to tune in to Nate Diaz, Kamara Usman. So this this division is finally getting a path forward. Now, I mentioned Baham Muhammad a minute ago, and he actually has his next fight. And he's going to be fighting Damian Maia. Uh, again, point me somebody who saw that fight coming, and I'll tell you who's a liar. I didn't see that fight coming. So, <clears throat> Baha Muhammad, on paper, probably takes out Damian Maia. This is an old Damian Maia. I believe this is Damian Maia's last fight. I also believe it should be. Um, Damian Maya is definitely way past his prime. I believe he's pushing 40, if not already 40. An absolute legend of the sport, but it is definitely time for him to say his goodbyes. And I believe he said recently that his next fight... I believe he said it after the uh, Gilbert Burns fight, that his next fight was going to be his retirement fight. And yeah, I was way incorrect. He's 43 years old, as a matter of fact. This is a guy who's been around the sport for a very, very long time. You know, 38 professional fights... And I'm I'm trying to think, when did he sign with the UFC? So he signed with the UFC in 2007. So he's been with the UFC for a long time, 14 years now. This man's been with the UFC, and he's fought everybody that there is to fight. You know, he had a three-fight losing streak not that long ago, but listen to these names. Tyron Woodley, Colby Covington, Kamara Usman. Like, come on. Then after that, he went on a three-fight winning streak, Choked out Ben Askren. Just lost to Gilbert Burns in his last fight. Has wins over Jorge Masvidal. Submission wins over Carlos Condit, Matt Brown, Neil Magny. You know, decision went over Gunnar Nelson. Split decision loss to Jake Shields. Decision loss to Rory McDonald. Submitted Rick Story. tko Dong Hyun Kim with a rib injury. You know, decision went over John Fitch. He's fought Chris Weidman, Mark Munoz, Anderson Silva, Nate Marquardt. Those are some names that he's lost to. But, you know, I mean, this this guy has fought a who's who of the mixed martial arts world. And he's beat, he's won some, lost some, became a top fighter in two divisions. Absolutely incredible career, but it's I think it's definitely time for him to call it a career. And this is a chance for Buhal Muhammad to, you know, make his star shine even brighter. If Buhal Muhammad can put Damian Maia into retirement. He's a made man. This is still a top fighter in the world. Make no mistake about it, Damien Maya is still a top 10 fighter in the welterweight division, even at 43 years old. I think Bahal probably brings the fight to him and probably gets a TKO done. But, you know, I'm never going to count out Damian Maya. and Damian Maya could ride off into the sunset with a win. I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Now, like I mentioned, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier 3 is official for July 10th. I think I've ta- spoken at length about that one. Not going to talk about that one more. We'll be talking about that as that fight gets closer. But a big welterweight division match was announced for that. For that uh, for that card. <clears throat> and I believe it'll be the co-main event. And that is Stephen Thompson versus Gilbert Burns. I love this fight. I believe this is another possible title eliminator. Um, you know, depending on how Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz go, maybe Leon Edwards goes out there and just doesn't impress people. Maybe there's... Something comes up and he, you know, maybe not the title fight, but maybe he fights the the loser of Usman and um, Masvidal. Maybe same with Diaz. If he wins, maybe it's just not that impressive and not enough to really warrant a title shot. Maybe Stephen Thompson goes out there and knocks out Gilbert Burns. If Stephen Thompson looks as phenomenal as he did in his last fight with Jeff Neal, Stephen Thompson gets a title fight. Um, You know, Gilbert Burns probably doesn't earn himself a title fight with a win just because... You know, if Usman's still the champ, it's going to be tough to market an immediate rematch and see Gilbert Burns needing to beat a Colby Covington or someone like that, put a two- or three-fight winning streak together before he gets a title shot. But for Stephen Thompson, this is a chance to earn a title shot. And, uh, you know, I, I think on paper, Stephen Thompson creates a lot of problems for people in the stand-up department. And I think even with Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns, while he's definitely improved his stand-up a lot, I think he's just going to have a tough time trying to get in on... Stephen Thompson, you know, the fights that Stephen Thompson has lost. Tyron Woodley, um, you know, like I said, I believe he won the second fight. But uh, Woodley's wrestling pressure is what kind of even had him in the first fight. You know, take away that takedown in the first round, he probably would have lost, even with the knockdown in the fourth round. I think he lost the second fight to Thompson. Um, you know, Darren Till was a pretty close fight. Anthony Pettis, he just got caught. But he was picking Anthony Pettis apart. You know, he's he's gotten caught before, but you know, look at his fight with Vicente Luque. Look at his fights with Jeff Neal. Look at what look at what he's done to other fighters. Look what he did to Johnny Hendricks. Look what he did to Jake Ellenberger. This is a guy who standing is going to give people a lot of problems. The question is, does Gilbert Burns decide to rely on his grappling? Does he go for that blast double and put him on his back? And take over the fight. That'll be how Gilbert. That is Gilbert Burns' best path, best path to victory. The question is: Does Stephen Thompson even let him get close enough to do it? Uh, Very fun matchup on paper. I personally would think Stephen Thompson, especially if this is a three-round fight, which it will be, probably does enough to get the nod. Gilbert Burns is going to have to rely on his grappling for this one, in my honest opinion, unless he can just land a really good shot. Standing, there's not a lot of guys in that division that can. Take the fight to Steven Thompson. And I think we all know that. <clears throat> so, you know, definitely looking forward to that one. Talk about that one more. Give more of a breakdown closer to the July 10th time. But that is a fun fight. The welterweight division is getting some clarity. Vicente Luque, though, you got to feel bad for. He uh, he wanted to call out Jorge Masvidal. But he said, you know, Usman kind of stole that fight from me. So he called out Nate Diaz. Now he's lost to Nate Diaz fight. You look at people ranked above him. Thompson... Booked against Gilbert Burns. Masvidal. Booked against Usman. Edwards. Booked against Nate Diaz. Burns. Booked against Thompson. Covington. Probably not going to take a fight with Vicente Luque, who he is now calling out. Uh, Good on Luque. You know, he's just getting at doing everything he can. He's calling out everybody he can. I don't see Colby getting up for that fight. Uh, But I definitely see Vicente Luque fighting Michael Chiesa next. You know, when you look at the rankings, Damian Maia is two slots below uh, Vicente Luque. He's fighting... Muhammad. I don't see Luke taking a big step back and taking a fight like Neil Magny coming off a loss or Jeff Neal coming off a loss. Um, Luque is only going to be looking around his area. I believe Luke versus Kiesa gets booked this summer. But you got to feel for Luke, man. Everybody he wants to fight just gets booked in fights or doesn't want to fight. No, I, I don't see Colby fighting. I see Colby maybe being a backup fighter for Usman Masvidal. But that would be about all that he's going to be doing anytime soon. So hopefully Luke can get a fight booked. I guarantee in the summer we'll probably be seeing him and Kiesa. And I think on paper that's a fantastic matchup. And the, the winner of that will probably be breaking into uh, some top five fights after that. All right, so like I said earlier in the day, uh, Darren Till is out. And we've got Marvin Vittori versus Kevin Big Mouth Holland. Um, you know, props to Big Mouth for stepping up. He said he doesn't see himself talking as much this time. You know, that's great and all. Um, hopefully that's actually true. I just I don't see him pulling this one off. Um, Marvin Vittori is a tough night out for anybody. I believe he was a tough night out for Darren Till. It's just hard for me to see Vittori losing to this guy. He's a very tough in the stand-up, but also very strong with his wrestling. And uh, Clearly that's a pretty weak point for Kevin Holland. Now, Kevin Holland could always catch him, put him to sleep, but where I feel bad for Der- uh, Marvin Vittori in this fight, it's going to be tough even with a big spectacular knockout for him to get a fight with Adesanya off of this one. Like, Adesanya is just going to be like, okay, well, you-, you knocked him out, but this guy's coming off a loss of Derek Brunson. Is that supposed to impress me? With well, a win over Darren Till, Vittori could have easily gotten a title shot. Vittori's in a really tough spot now where he's going to have to fight another fight after this to get a title shot if he wins. You know, if Kevin Holland wins, he works his way into another top fight. But you can't justify giving him a title shot after that Derrick Brunson fight. There's just no way. So this fight now has a little bit less on the line than it did when it was Darren Till versus Marvin Vittori just over a week ago. But it'll still be a fun matchup to see what happens with the future of the middleweight division. I believe we see Marvin Vittori come out mad, but he's going to use that anger and aggression in a good way. And I believe he's just gonna absolutely obliterate Kevin Holland and move forward into a bigger fight. Maybe the Darren Till fight gets rebooked, or maybe Apollo Costa fight. But Vitoria is gonna be moving forward. Uh, props to Kevin Holland. Maybe Kevin Holland gets it done. I'm I'm definitely not writing him off just off of his last fight. I think a lot of people are. <clears throat> if he shows up and takes this fight seriously, maybe he could do better. But you know, if Marvel Vitoria decides to use his wrestling, it's probably gonna be a tough night out. All right, so I had talked about that fight and uh, that card had uh, a great length recently. So now I'm going to talk about tonight. And tonight we've got one on TNT1. Adriano Moraes versus Demetrius Johnson for the flyweight title in the main event. I absolutely love that fight. The co-main event, Yuri Lapikis versus Eddie Alvarez. I love that. And the first fight on the main card, you've got Rod Roddang... Uh, I'm not gonna even try and pronounce his last name, but the amazing Muay Thai fighter, one of the best Muay Thai fighters in the world. Definitely need to tune in for that one. Um, on the prelims, we got some. We got about three fights, and uh, one of them is Omar Kane, uh, A.K.A. Rug Rug, huge, huge um, Senegalese uh, phenom in the heavyweight division. Just knocked out. Um, Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm going to forget his name. Alan Galani in his uh, one championship debut. You know, he's had some last-minute opponent changes. He's had two fights get canceled. So uh, he was supposed to fight Medi Bargi, uh, but uh, last minute um, it was uh, canceled out. And uh, so Patrick Schmid is stepping in who was supposed to be fighting in a heavyweight kickboxing fight, so they all they'll be meeting in a short-notice MMA fight, so that's definitely one to look out for tonight. One thing I've liked that it, uh, that uh, One Championship has done with this one is they've teamed up with Anatomy of a Fighter. A lot of hardcore fans probably know what I'm talking about on YouTube, and have been doing the Anatomy of series. Uh, they did one for Demetrius Johnson. They did one for Eddie Alvarez. <clears throat> and they're dropping one today uh, for Adriano Moraes, who is fighting Demetrius Johnson. You know... These are. This is a great way to open up some people's eyes who maybe haven't seen them, and they're, they're now bringing this to America. So, I think it'd be a great way to get eyes on a promotion that deserves to have people watching it. And this is a good chance for them to break into America. You know, Eddie Alvarez and Demetrius Johnson. The American fan knows who those two guys are. To the people who don't know who Adriana Moraes is, this is a multiple-time Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt world champion. This is a multiple-time, one-championship, world champion at flyweight. Um, He's coming off of a uh, trilogy. Um, He just recaptured the belt in his last fight, I believe. Yes, so he he had lost it to uh, Gijay. I cannot remember how to pronounce his name, and I feel bad. I was just watching their fights recently. He had lost that fight by a split decision, won it back, an unanimous decision. Before that, had a submission win over Danny Kingad, who uh, Demetrius Johnson just defeated in the uh, one championship. I shouldn't say just defeated, but in his last fight, defeated in the uh, one championship Grand Prix uh, finals. You know he's he's held the belt a few times, so he uh, he won it when it was vacant, defended it, lost it, um, won a fight, won the interim championship, and then won and unified it. So he is a uh, he is a. Three-time champion for one championship. This is a tough fight for Demetrius Johnson. It's definitely going to be his toughest out since coming to one championship. I believe Demetrius probably gets this done, but his path to victory is on the feet. You know, He he probably could do some stuff on the ground, but this is a jiu-jitsu world champion. This is a guy who does his best work on the ground. Watch for Demetrius Johnson to keep the distance and keep this a kickboxing match. Maybe use some wrestling just to change things up. But Adriana Moraes wants to get this fight to the ground. And this is a tough matchup for Demetrius Johnson. But I believe Demetrius will probably get this done. But people definitely need to tune into this one. This is going to be a phenomenal fight, in my opinion. And Adriana Moraes is a legit threat to Demetrius Johnson. One of the best flyweights in the world. Now, in the co-main event with Eddie Alvarez, he's fighting Uriel Apicus, who's, again, his strength is on the ground. He says he's going to retire Eddie Alvarez. Um... Obviously, not buying into that. I believe Eddie Alvarez is not too close to retirement, and Eddie Alvarez, you know, is is probably going to bring it to this guy. Yuri Lapakis, in a, one of his fights, you know, got a first round submission, but there was another one of his fights in one championship where it did go to the later rounds, and he did end up getting the third round submission. But by the end of the second round, it was obvious that this man was absolutely exhausted. That's not a position you want to be in against Eddie Alvarez if he goes out there. <clears throat> And has a tough fight with Eddie Alvarez and gets tired. Eddie Alvarez is going to put this man out. Eddie Alvarez is a tough night out. This is a former world champion of Bellator. A former world champion of the UFC. And one of the guys who's going to show up to fight every single time. You know, this is the underground king. This is one of the most violent men in the sport. He uh, he proved that in his fights with Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier. Even if you beat him, he is going to be there and fighting every step of the way until you put him down. So Eddie Alvarez and Yuri Lapakis is going to be a fun fight. Yuri has had... Some good moments standing, but his his primary focus is to get this fight on the ground, and he might have a tough time doing that with a guy like Eddie Alvarez, who has a wrestling base. Watch for watch for that fight to get to the ground and see if Yuri Lapakis can impose his will. If not, I think it could be a long night for him. And then, obviously, the Rod Tang, the Muay Thai fight, I've not watched... Too much of him in order to comment on him, but he is an exciting fighter to watch. I'm sure even the American fans have probably seen some of the videos of him where he lets guys punch him in the face and does a shoulder shimmy in their face after they hit him. Uh, so definitely if you have the chance tonight, 1 on TNT 1, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, tune in and uh, check that one out. 1 on TNT is going to be absolutely fun, and they've got events coming for the next few Wednesdays, so we'll be talking about those And death, I'll be talking about the next one. Next Monday, we got Sage Northcott coming up just a few weeks. He's going to be fighting Shinya Aoki. I can't wait to talk about that one. So, yeah, one on TNT tonight and then UFC on ABC on Saturday. Vittori versus Holland. I still almost said Till versus, v- versus Vittori. So, yeah, make sure you guys tune into both of those and I will see you next Monday for the Monday Morning Mean event. Thank you for being patient this week. Thank you for tuning into the Wednesday Morning Mean event. Have a great rest of your week and I will see you guys on Monday.